It's Thursday, May 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Billion Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. I'm ready to turn that into a billion dollar portfolio. <laughs> I'm sure people who are part of the service would love you to that's do that. That's our goal, right? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal. It's going to take a while to get there, but I have no doubt that we will one day make it. <laughs> is, today, is today National Burger Day? I saw that on Twitter. and I, Is it really? Yeah. Now work, that work on that while I while I while I tell the dozens of listeners what's coming in this episode. Uh, we, I mean, I made a I made some mean burgers last night on the grill. Well, you were you I, were a day early. I know. Maybe that just I need to go ahead and do it again tonight. Uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. We will look at one restaurant chain's attempt to turn its business around. We'll talk retail, and let's start with one of the biggest retailers out there, Costco. Uh, their third quarter. Profits up nine percent from a year ago. That's good. Same store sales down one percent. First time since two thousand nine they have had a quarterly drop in same store sales. No one's freaking out about this, nor should they. Still kind of surprising though. Yeah, and just to confirm, today is in fact National Burger okay, Day. Uh, Twitter, thanks again. You just you know source of instant information there. Um, yeah, so Costco. I mean, this is really interesting. We're starting to, to noodle this one around on the MDPT, uh, MDP uh, million dollar portfolio team a lot. Um, it, it is one where so we we own it in the portfolio today. It's done very well, um, but I, you know I think the biggest question for investors today in regard to Costco is this one from today's price. Is this one that's worth holding on to? And and it has nothing to do with the business itself. I mean, we love the business. We think management's terrific. Uh, it's it's just stellar in every way. But when you look at the growth there, I mean, that's the biggest question, right? Top line growth over the same quarter last year was only one percent, which is uh, you know not stellar. I mean, I think the biggest the biggest it's hard to get excited about. It's very hard to get excited. I mean, let's face it, it's hard to get excited about shopping in bulk anyway. I mean, I don't know if you're a me- are you a member of Costco? I'm not a member, but there there are people who work here who are Costco members who yeah. who actually do get excited about it. They 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 totally gear up for it. It's like the family uh, the event uh, the the weekend. You know, you're going to go to Costco and get you a. One of those dollar fifty hot dogs. Um, we're not members of Costco either. I never have been. We were members at BJ's Wholesale Club back in Georgia for a little while, and that served us very well as we were, uh, you know, living overseas. We were able to buy lots and lots of diapers to to get shipped over there. Um, but but yet today, I, I think it's a much it's a much different environment. I mean, we have this huge move towards online commerce, right? And so I mean, we've seen Amazon obviously. Going out there and grabbing as much share as, as possible, in regard to that, and, and I would say that Prime Pantry, which is a, a neat offering that they have, um, I, I use it rather frequently. I mean, I, I'll get at least one shipment from Prime Pantry per month, and, and it's just good for things like stuff for the girls' lunches and whatnot. But it's it's very simple, easy to use. Other other startups out there, you look at something like Boxed. We talk about Boxed before, and I mean it's it's interesting to look at Boxed because. You know, Boxed actually resells some of Costco stuff. Like, I mean, they they actually use Costco as a supplier in some cases, which you would think is good for Costco. It's going to provide Costco more business and give them more of that sort of online space. But you know, if you look at it from the bigger picture here, Costco's biggest cash cow is those membership fees, right? I mean, that's where they just really shine. They pull in all that money up front, and that enables them to really keep those. You know, prices low, and and you know, keep the the consumer experience good, and and it breeds a, a tremendous amount of of uh, customer loyalty there. But but if you think about it, if Boxed 
is offering me this option of ordering in bulk online and having it shipped to me. In many cases, the shipping you can make free, um, and there's no membership fee involved with Boxed either. I mean, ultimately, at some point, why actually do I need Costco if I like getting my if I like shopping in bulk online. And so, you know, with, with Costco, their online business today only makes up about 3% of the overall, you know, picture. That, I, I would hope, down the road, they're going to try to figure out how to improve that. I'm, I think they're kind of late to the game there. I don't think that's really their specialty. So, to your point, I think a lot of people like going to Costco, and they enjoy that experience. I think that down the road here, I think that, I think that experience is going to be challenged. And I think more and more people are, you know, seeing the the virtue in in buying online and not having to deal with going out to the store. So, you know, that's our biggest question with with Costco today is wonderful business, you know. I mean, but but where is that growth going to come from? And and if they're not going to be offering some you know special sort of dividend, which they don't. I mean, they yield like one percent, which is killing me. I mean, they they need to figure out a way to, to juice that dividend. Is this one really worth holding on to? And that's what we're that's what we're noodling over right now in MDP. So you're thinking about it more from the standpoint of a larger trend, not the execution of the business. Because to your point, the management. I mean, it, it, it's pretty amazing to think back a couple of years when Jim Senegal was stepping down, and there were there were leg- and legitimately so he had done such a great job managing that company for so long. So there are always going to be con- maybe not concerns, but certainly um, you- you're going to be very keenly aware of who's going to take his place. And Craig Jelinek, the, the company didn't miss a beat oh, uh, with-, with Jelinek taking over. You want a you want a-, a textbook example of of transition of power. I mean, that was just so wonderfully executed. And and no, not at all. We don't question the execution one bit. Don't question leadership. Don't question the merits of this business. This is a wonderful business all the way around. The biggest question for us is, are the returns there going forward? I mean, US-wise, they have somewhere in the neighborhood of 700 stores, and and something like 500 or so, close to 500 in the US. You know, it, it could be argued that they're becoming rather saturated here in the United States. So then, you know, what kind of international opportunity is there? I mean, having lived overseas in a number of different places, I mean, I can tell you that that sort of buying in bulk mentality is not. That doesn't translate everywhere. I mean, it really it, it just doesn't. And, and I mean, more more to that point is that many countries just can't really. They don't have the infrastructure to, to be able to support something like that in many cases. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just—it's just a question of the growth, and that for us is is what we're talking about now. Um, it's sort of that idea that you know the reasons for selling can can be many, but but one of those reasons is if you feel like there's a better place to get that money, you know, and, and that's kind of that's our dilemma right now is we're looking at this thinking, man, I mean, is there a better place? I don't know. It's a nice defensive holding. It's one that should should remain uh, you know pretty pretty steadfast, but it's also not a cheap stock. I think it's trading around thirty times earnings now, which is. Uh, you know, not cheap for a company this size, lobbing up those those sort of growth rates. Well, let's see if this next company is one that you think is a better place for your money. Abercrombie and Fitch posted a loss for the first quarter that was nearly three times the size of the loss they posted a year ago. Uh, sales quarterly sales down fourteen percent, and yet shares of Abercrombie and Fitch up nine percent. This is one of those. This is one of those stories that I just that makes me think I don't know anything. I don't. I, I don't understand this at all. Tell me that the expectations for this badly performing company were even lower than I would have thought. So, Chris, you've heard that saying before that the market can remain irrational far longer than we can remain solvent. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, the market just it's going to have its way in the end, and we just kind of have to hitch along for the ride. Uh, I mean, any Abercrombie and Fitch, we've had a lot of fun with this company. We had a lot of fun making fun of this company for a long time, and I think uh, you know they they've made uh, the right move in in changing leadership there. Uh, but this is you know this is just, at, the, at the core, it's just a retailer. It's just a, it's just a fickle teen retailer, and and. Generally speaking, we're not big fans of those. Now, virtually everything about this quarter was not good. Your first, your first inclination is the right one, and it wasn't a good quarter. I mean, even when you cupcake it and like give the non-gap sort of excluding these these one-time expenses, it still wasn't good. Um, but I, I also feel like maybe management did a good job in, in sort of getting everything out in the open very quickly, just saying, "Look, we're ripping the bandaid off here. This is a turnaround story. They know it. We know it. The market knows it." But when you look at this investment over over the stretch of years, I mean the the top line growth on this on this business looks almost like a turtle turtle's back. You know, it's like it kind of went up a little bit, and now it's kind of on the way back down, and it's kind of flattening out. And I don't know that really there's much of a significant market opportunity. And and you know, let's face it, whenever your logo becomes a liability. I mean that's a big problem, right? And we know that they were getting rid of that Abercrombie oh, right. logo yeah. on a lot of clothes. Anytime your logo becomes a liability, God, just stay away. This is not, this is not a business that I'd have any interest in owning. I mean, I'm sure there are probably ways to trade it, option plays out there, perhaps that, that could work. But it's not in line with the way we invest. It's not in line with the way we think. And, and I just, if, if there, there's just no way in the world, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Take these shares that he gave it to me. Well, and just to widen the lens a little bit, with the shares being up nine percent today, that means that over the past twelve months, Abercrombie and Fitch stock is <laughs> is only down forty three percent. That's all. Well, I mean, and look at look at. I mean, anytime you feel like a retailer is on the up and up, I mean, God, look at what Michael Kors did yesterday. You know, I mean, that's just another good example of how quickly these guys can fall from grace. And I mean, you, you go from like being the, the a name out there that carries some weight. To just almost a pariah, and and it's not to say that Michael Kors is a pariah, but you know it's nothing special anymore. And I think the market's starting to recognize that, and it's becoming another ho hum sort of retailer. Well, and we've we've talked about this a couple of times. The concept of how long a leash do you give the companies you own? And I think you know to go back to Costco, I think that's one. If you've owned it for a, a while, you give it a long leash. You're you're not concerned about. A momentary blip in same store sales dropping, same for Starbucks, that sort of thing. I think if you own any kind of apparel retailer, and plenty of them, including this one, have had good one year periods. Yeah. But I think if you're going to invest in an apparel retailer, you need to keep it on a really short leash. I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean it just takes me back to uh, you know a few years back when we were managing some some just individual real money portfolios here on fool.com. And and I had been looking very closely at Gap and there were some issues there with some pricing and cotton that had really hit their gross margin line and the stock was just getting killed. And so I, I, you know, I guess I saw a gap as maybe more than one way to win because it had so many brands sort of underneath that umbrella, and I thought the share price didn't really wasn't representative of maybe what it could do in the future. And so I looked at that as very much sort of a value style investment. Like I, I bought into that company, full well knowing that I mean there is going to be a point where this thing is going to hit kind of where where I feel like it's it's fairly valued, and I'm going to sell it because it's typically these retailers are not ones that you just want to buy and hold forever. Yeah, I mean your point I think is spot on. You got to be able to you got to be able to keep an eye on it and know when to pull the trigger and unload them. And it, 
you know, you, you can go back there and, and buy them again, too. I mean, there are ways to win in retail. It's just really, really hard. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Got a couple of emails regarding our story yesterday about Novartis working on a robotic pill with tiny needles to deliver drugs into your intestinal walls. Uh, One step closer. (laughs) From Dave Finlay, listener number 42. One crucial question you did not address over acceptance of this robot pill uh, uh, with with needles is, does it dissolve? Boy, I have to believe it does. I hope it does. So, in reading the article, it sounded like the needles were actually made of sugar. So okay. then I'm assuming, obviously, the sugar will dissolve, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell if that actual uh, yeah. device is something that would eventually go away. I mean, it's like, you know, you get stitches and inside, and, and so they they'll, yeah, they can give you dissolve. Yeah. Well, and then an email from uh, Dr. Siam Chilakuri in Indiana who writes, personally, I think it's a great idea. The gastrointestinal tract is insensitive to needles or cuts. I'm going to trust the doc on this one. Uh, this guy's a surgeon. I, I feel like... Uh, his opinion matters a lot more than, say, mine. <laughs> He's got a little bit more experience in the field. Huh? I mean, I, yeah, my dad's a doctor. I'd be interested to hear his feedback on this. I mean, I guess it depends on what you what you need. Um, so, like, for diabetes, for example, that seems like a very relevant case. But if you have, you know, if you have reflux or something like that where you just need to take, like, I mean, I, I have to take Pepsis pretty frequently. I don't know that I'd be trusting you know, a device in my tummy to just kind of keep me going. I, I, I'm okay with the way things are. Ask your doctor if the robot pill is right for you. <laughs> uh, Yum Brands is the parent company of Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, KFC, and I think it's fair to say that KFC has been struggling here in the U.S. over the last five years or so, so is, maybe so a little bit Taco more, Bell. and abroad. Uh, the company has a 100 $85 million campaign that includes remodeling some of the 4,300 locations for KFC in the United States. And the campaign also includes bringing back Colonel Sanders. <laughs> now, for those of you for those of you who are younger, <laughs> that's exactly what I was and maybe asking, who in the world is Colonel Sanders? Colonel Sanders was the original uh, founder, I guess, of Kentucky Fried Chicken, Har- Harlan Sanders. Uh, who was declared a Kentucky colonel, um, that, which is a, a state military designation of some sort, I think. Let's not get bogged down in that. Anyway, and and as he sold the company but continued to be the, the face of it, the brand, the spokesman. You can go on YouTube and find commercials with Colonel Sanders. Uh, he died about 30 years ago. Uh, they they kept the brand. Then, as people slowly started to think, maybe fried is not a word we want <laughs> in our brand. They rebranded as KFC. They had a cartoon version of Colonel Sanders, I think, in the '90s or maybe the early 2000s. But I I don't know about you. I looked at this story, and I've seen they're going to roll out national ads next week. Daryl Hammond, who was on Saturday Night Live for years, is thank is, you is Colonel Sanders. That's who that is. I thought that was. I yeah. wasn't sure. I didn't look it up. There's a there's a brief video on YouTube. I feel like there's a him. Saturday Night Live skit just in, in the making here. I don't get it. I just I watched I watched the ad that's on YouTube. It just seems weird to me. And there's I don't know. I, I call me skeptical, but I I don't see any way this helps them. I I I'm, the remodeling the locations I get the trying to right. freshen up the menu with some some new southern style food options, that could work. I don't. T- to me, bringing back Colonel Sanders says 
we're out of ideas. That's I, yeah. I think it reeks of that. It's like Burger King bringing back a sandwich that like we would remember from growing up. But there's an entire generation that completely doesn't get it. There's an entire generation that just doesn't get Colonel Sanders whatsoever. Um, and and I'm pretty certain that generation also doesn't know that KFC used to actually stand for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, it, you know, it it it's unbelievable to me. It's so funny to look at all of these fast food concepts, Taco Bell. Pizza Hut, McDonald's, KFC—they're they're they're so on the defensive now in, in trying to figure out how to repaint themselves as a quality brand. They I mean they they were all born in that generation of convenience of fast food, and it wasn't about the quality; it was about the the speed and the affordability. And so you've got Taco Bell saying they're going to eliminate all artificial colors and flavors. Well, what the hell's left if you? I mean, because that all that stuff is is artificial, right? I mean, there's even questions as to whether the meat is real. So with KFC, I mean, yeah, I don't know that deep fried chicken is really going to be on the on the top of everyone's menu item. We know that's not going to be the best for you, and the quality is is obviously not good. Does Colonel Sanders, you know, make me think the quality has all of a sudden gotten better? No, doesn't. And I mean, there's a generation out there where. Colonel Sanders doesn't resonate whatsoever, and and then to watch it, I, I saw that spot, and I can't help but see Daryl Hammond, and I'm waiting for him to crack a joke or something. So I mean, they are. I think you, I think a lot of these businesses are out of ideas. I think they are just grasping at straws, and I think they're in a lot of trouble because of businesses like Chipotle and Panera that continue to tout the quality of their ingredients. Yeah, it's a little bit more expensive, but you know what? It's proven out that people will pay for it. Let me read a quote from Kevin Hockman, who is the chief marketing officer at KFC, because I, I, well, the quote tells me that they at least anticipated some of the issues that you raised with the younger generation. Here's Kevin Hockman. He said uh, in this article in the Washington Post, young people all have this idea that everyone can be a star on social media. First of all, that, that seems like it's kind of mildly insulting to young people. But anyway, uh, young people all have this idea that everyone can be a star on social media. While the colonel was the consummate American showman, people see him as an old person because we haven't talked about him in a while. But he was the person with bling before bling was even a word. Let me read that last sentence again. He was the person with bling before bling was even a word. What does that mean? He just made that up. He's just using the word bling to try to cater. To, he's just pandering to the younger generations. If he thinks he uses the word bling, then they're going to all of a sudden pay attention. And uh, I don't even know what that means. I mean, bling? Like, you're telling me that he had... Define bling. What, what's bling in there? You in know how, eyes? from time to time, we will talk about company news and one of the ways we will view it is through the lens of competitors. How do how does a competitor feel about this announcement from this company? I think if you're Chick-fil-A, who overtook KFC in 2012 in terms of chicken sales in the United States, I think if you're Chick-fil-A right now, you're feeling pretty darn good about yep. how you're doing. If you're Chick-fil-A, you're just sitting back. You're, going, you are not. I don't think you're worried at all. Everything's working out just okay. All right. We'll save the Chick-fil-A for the weekend because today's National Burger Day. Yeah, Chick-fil-A, you got to get there Saturday. They're closed Sunday. But, man, you want to talk about, boy, that's good stuff right there. And they don't need... You know how brilliant is is their ad their you know their ad campaign with the cows eat more chicken I mean yeah. they they've they've done very well with that one. All right, you know? I'm going to give you a tough question to end today on. You're down south. You're hungry. I know where this is going. One side of the road is a Chick Fil A. <laughs> other side of the road is Bojangles. 
Ooh, man, that is the ultimate dilemma right there. I mean, the jangler is <laughs> good stuff. But man, oh man, Chick-fil-A is consistently, I think, better. I've got to go Chick-fil-A. You heard it here first, people. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.